Hi, welcome to Days and Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about arrow building. I'm, uh, I just wrote an article and uh, I was discussing it with my cousin Anthony. What's going on, Ant? What's going on, John? Oh, same old shit. Stuffing 10 gallons of shit in a five-gallon hat. Getting ready to yeah, leave. But- so. Yeah, you can't complain. You're going freaking. Oh, going I to know. Mexico. I know. I'm not. I'm not complaining. It's not a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not complaining. So, anyway, um, so I I wrote this article on my blog about n- not necessarily how to build the arrow, like the actual process of building, which I've done before. You can go back and look at my YouTube. You can look through my blog. I actually connect some links in this article to my actual build process. But this is kind of like my process of how I figure out what arrow and how it's going to be set up that I'm going to shoot. And then I go about building it, of course. Um, And you had some questions. Um, you were kind enough to tell me that my article sucked and you didn't, couldn't follow it. So, um, let's do a podcast about it. I I didn't say it like that. I just said that (laughs) a lot of people, a lot of people that have like a hard time reading it and understanding it. And so I'm like, you'd probably be better off just explaining them on a podcast. Like, I mean, I understand how your process is because, you know, you and I have built arrows from me Mm -hmm. and we we got on the phone with Tim, Tim Gilliam and we got, I mean, we just, cause we wanted to build the best arrow for, for my elk hunt last year. And we figured out, you know, it was like 420 something. It was like 427 grains. FOC was like, I don't know, 17%. Mm-hmm. Um, we just wanted to make the best arrow for that hunt. It right. wasn't going to be specifically for every hunt. But that one was going to be specifically just for the elk. Yeah. And the arrows was flying great. And then whatever. I don't know what the hell happened. But I know what happened. You know, I know. I know. You know what happened, but, too. We'll leave, but, it at, we'll leave it at that. But um, so I was like, you may want to just explain the process in a little more simple way and explain it to them so that they can understand it. Yeah, um, of course. So, so let me explain it to you. Well, since I did your arrows last, I don't know, I think we did it, what, in April? Last, last year, about this time. Yeah, a little bit before this, right? <laughs> Literally right after you found out that you, you drew an elk tag. So it was like in April. Um, no, because, you, yeah, you find out in January. We, we did it, like, early. early no, but I, could, I remember I couldn't get my arrows. I uh-huh. couldn't get the arrows. Yeah, but well, everything was on back order. We already when figured out. We started out. messing around with your arrows. Yeah. Because um, I was shooting actually your arrow that was a stiffer spine, mm-hmm. longer, mm-hmm. and um, those arrows were freaking great. So what we were trying to do was go with a 340 spine. See, I was shooting your 300 spine. Right. And I, and then we went to the 340 spine. However, because I'm 27 inches and you're 29 inches, mm-hmm. um, because we cut off so much of the arrow, it became 
kind of like a 300 spine in a sense. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was almost a the same. stiffer. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Some people don't know that because, you know, you could be going with a 300 spine and then cutting so much off and now you're at like, even you know, even less. I well, mean, even more. Correct. Well, since I did your arrow build... I ran. I did a bunch of other testing. I was doing vein testing. I was doing broadhead testing and this and that. And I, I did so many things, which led me to discovering other things, of course, you know, you know how that is. And well, I know how that is. And in, in just in the bullet world, it's, it's like that. So we were just having this conversation two minutes ago, how just a couple grains difference in, in, in the bullet, everything acts different and maybe not the best, uh, like we were, I was saying, like, even though I shoot a tighter group, doesn't mean that's the best bullet because at longer distance, it actually sometimes uh, is not the best. You want something kind of that's really good instead of the best. Right. And you kind of explained it saying, okay, yeah, that's how I'm building these arrows. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get people to understand is that, one, the bow, the arrow, and you and yourself – it's all a complete system and nothing works independent of the other thing. So anytime that you make a change, you make a change on the arrow, it's going to affect something. Anytime that you make a change on the bow, it's going to affect something. Anytime you make a change in shooting form, it's going to affect something, right? So when it comes to arrows, once you've built an arrow to a specific specs and specific whatever, it's the most static thing in your whole system. It doesn't change. It's the only thing that's not going to change, actually. Even if you had the most perf perfect, perfect, perfect form, you were shooting at a shooting machine, okay, that shoots perfectly. Arguably, every time that bow shoots, it gets incrementally, incrementally weaker, right? Because the string stretches just a little, like, I mean, it might be microscopic proportion, but in actuality, that's what, hap that's what happens. And I guess if you really want to be technical, even the arrow, every time it impacts a target, it gets, I guess, it's the same, you know, weaker and weaker yeah, no, by every it. time. But, um, so when I look at, when I look at what I'm going to how I'm going to build my arrow, you have to find a starting point because even, even on the arrow itself, there is, um, you know, there's, there's the different components and not just the actual physical components, but the, the attributes. Okay. Total weight, the FOC, the spine, dynamic spine, etc. Okay. So, Anytime you make an adjustment on that, it's going to affect something else. And one thing I've learned through all this testing in like the last four or five years that I've been going through all this stuff and just kind of tinkering with everything and trying to find, you know, Shangri-La is that you can't, you can't gain something without giving up something else. Like you can't get up, you can't gain speed without losing you know total weight you can't you know everything has a everything has a, a give and take 
So you have to have a starting point. Otherwise, you're just going to keep going around in circles and chasing your tail. You're not going to be able to figure out what it is that you want. And for me, I, I stepped back from the actual physical arrow itself and I said, okay, what, what are my expectations? What do I want this arrow? How do I want this arrow to perform? Or, or how does it need to perform more correctly? How does it need to perform for me with my shooting style, where I'm going to be hunting, what I'm going to be hunting, weather, blah, blah, blah. And myself, I'm a unique case i think maybe maybe i'm not you know it well i think i think out west we're we're so I'll put it this way out west we're shooting multiple different animals mm-hmm. we're not just going in a tree stand and we're not just going to shoot that one deer or you know two deer out of the tree stand every year that i i, I don't want to say it doesn't like it's not as important because it is important but over it's there, all as long as they're, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they're not shooting javelina, elk, and and mule deer and coos deer that react to everything so differently, right? Um, that they need to mess with their thing 10 times, you exactly. know, exactly. They just have to focus on deer and maybe some turkey. Um, and I'm not saying that they're not hunting other things, but their deer setup is probably good enough for whatever else they're hunting out there and they're not shooting long distance um usually shooting out of a tree stand uh so we're in different terrain different elevation we're doing different right. uh, weathers so i get where you're going at and I, and I understand why you're building the arrow that you're trying to build but i want uh, not everybody uh is going to go down this rabbit hole um, and, and try to like exactly. You know, well, that's it, my it's point. More, it's more. It's more for I would say the Western hunter um, that would actually benefit from what you're doing because no, not necessarily. So what I'm what, what I'm saying is you have to have this conversation with yourself as to what it is. What are your expectations? What are your needs and expectations out of an arrow? Okay. So for me, yes. What I, my, the way I set my arrow up is not going to be the same as it would be for a guy back east, right? But true, my build process is the same. I'm going to build, you know, when I bought, I built my, my friends and and if I build an arrow for them in our, in New York, I'm going to build it the same way. I'm still going to take the same process of building, but. I'm going to build a different type of arrow because I don't need what I need for my my setup. So that's why my process it works for everybody. When I'm when I say you need to your starting point needs to be what do I need out of my arrow? And I'm giving you my example because this is what I can speak from because it's my own personal experience is that because I hunt every anything from coyote to elk, right? That I need an arrow and and here's the other here's the other caveat is that I'm not going to set up two or three four different bows right I'm not going to set up four different bows shooting four different arrows and I'm sure as hell not going to take one bow and have four different arrows built for me and retune that bow for each arrow before every hunt that I go on or for every season or whatever right correct and the reason why I'm not going to do that is one I don't have the time to do that okay I the time that I take and put in my arrow 
and marrow bill and my, my bow tune is plenty of time. I don't want to have to do that three or four times over, right? Number one. Number two, for most guys, especially if you're paying for all your own arrows and your own gear, it's nobody's going to spend that kind of money on that many bows and that many arrows, right? It's just not cost effective. And three, there's a confidence level. You know how you shoot, right? And you know that when you go into the field, you're shooting lights out because you've been practicing with this arrow, this bow, da ba 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 ba. Every time that I've made a bow switch in the middle of the year, it adds, you know, it injects a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, skept- not skepticism, but more. Yeah, you, but you always go with the old faithful. Trust yeah, me, I get yeah. it. I get so, it. You, you know, you start feeling like you lose a little bit of confidence because, anyway. So, my point is, for a guy like me who hunts just about everything, okay, I need my arrow setup to perform for just about everything. You know, and then, of course, I have to adjust my my yardage of shot or whatever per animal. You know, I, I'm not going to shoot an elk at the same distance that I would shoot a deer. Okay. But, and I have, I have in the past. Don't fucking lie, John. I, bro, fucking but seriously, <laughs> I, I, know, I know, I just did it. I know, I know. I've, I've done it. I've done it before and I, and I've killed. But you're trying not to. And, and I'm trying not to. I'm trying, I'm really trying to dial that, that back because I don't want to lose animals, you know? And a lot of this stuff came out because I, I lost animals in Nevada two years ago, and I lost animal last year, and I was, it was heartbreaking to me, and I almost lost the second one last year. Listen, I know okay? you're heartbreaking, so I get so, it. Um, so, that's it, important to me. That's why I spend the time that I'm spending doing research and da 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 you know, and I can always go back and look at, oh, look how many, the last 20 years I've, you know, shot things with the worst arrows possible, the best arrows possible, the worst broadheads. By I have, but it's not. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm, all those years you weren't going to South Dakota. All those years you weren't going. I mean, you were going other. Places, I was going to say I was but, though. But I know you were. But I'm just saying. Like I, I just uh, honestly, I just didn't. I didn't know any better. I was the guy that said, "Hey, let me, I, let me screw. I'm going to screw on this broadhead. Oh, it doesn't fly like my my field tip. I'm going to screw on this broad. I'm going to. Oh, it doesn't fly like that field tip. Oh, this one flies like my field tip. Cool. I'm going to shoot this. This one. That's what I'm shooting. I didn't know that I can make my bow, tune my bow to shoot. Like I did this yesterday, matter of fact, or not yesterday, Saturday. Yesterday was Mother's Day. Uh, Saturday, I went and shot, and I shot five different broadheads, and every single one of them at 70 yards impacted where my where my uh, fill point was. Five different ones, five different designs, five different companies. You know, so I'm going off a little bit off topic because I'm talking, that's more about bow tune. Let's get back to the arrow itself. So my first step with the arrow is, uh, again, I personally, and this, some of this has got to come from experience. And if you don't have the experience, you're going to have to tinker. You're going to have to find this out for your specific draw length, your shooting style, your bow, whatever. For me, I'm a 29 inch draw. I shoot 70 pounds. Okay. I 
I, like I said before, I hunt coyote to elk. I want an arrow that's not too light, but not too heavy. I want an arrow that's as stiff as I can get it. I want the weight as heavy as I can get it. But hold on a second. When I say heavy as I can get it within this parameter, and the parameter is I want my bow to be between 275 and 295, the max on speed. And that's that's where my, after I've figured out what, what it is I'm going to do. So why, why do you want it from 275 to 295? I know, I know the answer because that's the reason why. But why, do you, why, why would you say that to somebody? Why is it that you want yours from okay. 275 so, to 295? For, for why are you trying to achieve that, that 20 feet per second difference between that and that and not go higher or not go lower? Explain, explain to me why that's the number. Well, I feel like anything lower than that, you start dealing with with a very, um, like what's the word I'm looking for? Parabolic shape of a of, of an arc when you shoot. Okay, it's it's shooting so gap in pins. Right, gap in the pins. Okay, the gap in the pins becomes way larger. Okay, and your field of view. So when you're looking at an animal, you see X amount of feet above them, X amount of feet below them, the whole way to them. Right. And you you don't know that you do this, but you do this. You automatically start taking account of what's, okay, my arrow flight is going to be this, about this. And I'm going to be able to clear this. I'm going to be able to clear that. I'm going to be able to get through this. And so when you start clear this and clear that, I'm I'm just going to clarify for people that are like branches, tree limbs, uh, any type of brush. Right. And stuff like that. Overhanging, low hanging, under underbrush. And, all, all and we've stuff. all done that. We've all like missed like we, we yeah. like it happened last year. I was telling you about on that elk hunt, that guy that I was hunting with, um, he was like the, it was like sixty yards, whatever. The elk was at sixty yards and he drew back and he's like, It's dead and what did he do? Yeah, he hit a branch. Didn't, didn't, he hit the branch. And that it wasn't one guy, it was both of the guys. <laughs> and they're both cracking up going how in the hell did I freaking not see that? It happens. You get, you get tunnel vision. You get tunnel vision. Yes, but for the most part, you know, your 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 eyes drawn to those things, you know, and you and you sort of take that into account, and you do a quick calculation in your head. You don't realize it. It's just like when you're throwing a ball. You, you know, you think about when you're throwing a ball. You think, you know, I'm going to throw it through this. I'm going to throw it through that. It's going to land here. Whatever. Okay, but, um. So I know that anything less than 275 feet per second, then that it stretches that, that field of view. Like I need to be looking higher and I need to be looking lower because my arrow is now traveling slower and has more of a bell-shaped trajectory versus when it's going faster. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I've noticed that speed... And I've heard this argued many times, oh, go with a really heavyweight arrow and it won't be affected by wind. But I've noticed that the less time an arrow spends flying through the air, the less chance the wind has to affect it. Now that, again, before, like I said, there's you have to give up something to, to get something every time, right? There's... there's uh, 
diminishing returns. Like if you go too fast, too light, then yes, the arrow's gonna, the wind's gonna take that light arrow and and, and whip it sideways. And you know this with the bullets, right? I mean, you, no, sh- I get it. you shoot a yeah. eighty grain bullet versus a two hundred grain bullet. You know, I was having this conversation the other day with uh, with Hunter, and he's like, "Yeah, what? Well, you know, I had to hold X amount of wind." And I'm like, "You know what, man? Uh, like, with, when I shoot the 300 because it's a 210 grain bullet, like, I barely have to hold wind ever, ever. Like, it has to be stupid, like tornado wind, for me to hold hold wind, or I have to be shooting like thousand yards. But you know, inside 600, I don't freaking hold wind. Like, there's no wind to hold." It, it really doesn't it doesn't move, and it might move, might move an inch, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not. Yeah, but you're shoot, also shooting a freaking three inch rum, and that yeah. Exactly. Well, that that's my point. Okay, so anyway, that being said, I know that I want that speed because I get a flatter trajectory. My pins are gapped wide enough that I can see my, you know, my field of view is good, but not too wide. I don't have to worry about obstructions. Um, I don't have to be as mindful as obstructions. It's, it's in my, my normal field of view. I don't have to look up. I don't have to look down. And it, it's also about re- the animals reacting. When you have a really slow moving arrow, they have more time to react, you know, uh, to the arrow coming and duck it or whatever. And I go through this a little bit on the article. Like there's, yes, if you shoot a heavier arrow, your bow's going to be quiet. But if your arrow's not quiet, the animal has more time to react to a loud arrow versus the bow going off. So it, it, it's finding this, literally there's rabbit holes in every direction that you go in. So for me, I'm looking for the best of the, basically the middle of the road. And I feel like the middle of the road is the best of everything for the way I hunt, right? I, I don't need no, it to be it. super, super fast. I don't need it to be super, super light. I don't need it to have super FOC. I don't want it to have no FOC. So that's, you know, that's been my philosophy for years and years. And I didn't understand why it worked for me until I actually put thought into it i started going through these processes so again i start my arrow build off with speed once once i know well i already know for my draw length now for you it's different you're you're not going to aim for the same um feet per second as me i've kind of came up with like a little bit of a I don't know if it's, I, I, I don't want to call it a chart, but I got like a scale in my head that I use when I build arrows for some other people. Like, so for you, what were you, 27, right? 27 inch draw? Yeah, I'm 27. So I, at a 29, I know 290 is my, my top, right? At, um, at 27, 270 is my top. So yeah, well, that's that's what I'm at right now, two seventy. Right. So I I drop it back like per, it's like per inch. It's like per it's ten feet per second per inch basically, for the top, and 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 it's I haven't perfected that because I don't build arrows for other people like on a daily basis. I'm just giving you what I found works for me, and you're gonna you're gonna have to go out and find that. But once you found that, and that's my starting point. I use a tool online that I put in that article. It's a um, 
it's a velocity calculator, but I use it to figure out total weight. So I punch in my numbers, the, of my bow, and I put and I put in the, you know, how many feet per second it is, and da 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 da, and it tells me, okay, I need approximately a, um, an arrow that's between 460 grains to 490 grains, right, to fit within that parameter. And so that's my next step. I know I got up to 490 grains to work with. Okay. All right, so explain to me how you get this, how you, how, how plugging these numbers. Because everybody's going to be like, what the frig? You okay, said dot, so, dot, dot, dot. So I'm like, I'm not right. doing what the fuck is dot, 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 dot means. So explain to me how we get the dot, 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 dot. Okay, so, all right, I'm going to pull up this, this speed calculator for you, okay? We're going to use your bow. Uh, your IBO rating on your bow is 243, right? What's 343 feet per second is what the IBO is on your bow. You have the, the verdicts, right? Yeah. I don't okay. Know so you put here. that in. Then you ask you how, what, your, what your draw length is. So I put my draw length, is, which is yours, is 27. And you're shooting how many pounds? I'm shooting 65. 65 pounds. Okay. Right? So at 343 feet per second IBO, a 27-inch draw, it's 65 pounds. Okay, with 25, or let's say 20, let's go with 20. 20 grains extra on your string, right? With a 350 grain arrow, your arrow speed is, should be at 298. Okay, that's according to this. So what you do is you start messing with the arrow arrow weight. Okay, now I'm going to go to 427, right? Just because we know that's what the, yours is. What did you say your bow shooting at? Oh, like, I want to say like 270. Yeah, so at 427 grains, this calculator says your bow should be shooting at 272. Oh, yeah, so that's... Okay, depends, so, yes. so what you're doing... That really close. Right, so what you're doing is, okay, so at 272, that's the top, right? So you know at 427 grains, you're at the top of what you what I had suggested you want to shoot. And the bottom of that would be 250 feet per second, which is pretty dang slow, but in bow in, in compound bow world, it's slow, right? So, but let's let's play with that. Let's add 460 grains. Nope, that's not it. Let's go 475. Whoops. 475 grains. Okay. So 475 grain between 475 grains and 427 grains is about the 50 grain difference. It's about 50 grains difference, just like me. Okay. So about 50 grain difference that you have to play with. Okay. It's not saying that you should be at 475. I'm not saying that you should be at 427. It's saying that you got 50 grains to, to play with. Okay. Now, you look at the arrow. You know which arrow you're going to shoot already, just like I did. I like the tours. You like the tours. Um, whatever the arrow is per per inch, right? Now I go to Gold Tip's site because their their calculator is great. Um, I, I take the piece of time. What's that? 
again just for the price. Yeah, you're uh, you're cutting out pretty good. I don't know what's going on, but um. Anyway, so now I started doing this and I messed up here. Gold tip arrows. Um. So I go to their their um FOC and total weight calculator, right? And, you want the gold tip? Yeah. Um, it's also in my in that thing. If you click on the FOC total weight uh -huh. deal, it should take you right to it. Okay. So on the right-hand side, there's a, so on one side it says kinetic energy. On the other side it says arrow weight and FOC. Okay. So now the first thing you do is with this is you start with your um, shaft weight. Okay. Your shaft weight I I know based on the chart for a 70-pound bow, my draw length, I should be at least a 300, right? Or a between a 300 and a 250 spine. So let's go with the lower first. Let's go with 300, right? 300 is 9.1 grains per inch in the arrow that I shoot. My arrows are 27 and a quarter inch long carbon to carbon. I don't use a wrap. It asks you if you have a wrap. My veins are 5.5 grains each, right? They're two inches long. Number of veins, I use three, okay? I don't use a bushing, and the knock weight is five grains, okay? I don't put anything... Okay, I'm sorry. I got to put my collar weight. My collar is 20 grains, and the insert is 25 grains, Okay. So I'm gonna I hit calculate. This is before I've put any point weight or anything on it. It tells me that that arrow, if I built it just like that, would be 314 grains. Now I could play with point weight, right? So in order to achieve the grains per inch that you and I talked about, right? Um, actually, I didn't tell you what mine was. Let's let's do it with yours. So what was your what's your total length on your arrow? I don't remember. Twenty total length on my I have no freaking clue. I think it's twenty five and a quarter actually. I think it's exactly two inches under. Okay. So that's two hundred and ninety six grains. Okay. So I know that if I need to get to four twenty seven, right, I need to add four twenty seven minus two hundred and ninety six grains. Does that make sense? Uh huh. All right. So there's no 130-inch point. So I'm going to either do a 125 or I'm going to be uh, – uh, yours is 427 because we got the little collars and stuff on there, right? Um, 425 or go up, jump up to 150. So let's go to 150. Let's see what 150 gives us because that gets us closer to the middle, right? I'm going to put 150 in there. Calculate. Okay. At 150, you're at 446 grains total weight, and you're at 17.6 FOC, which which falls into line with, with in my article, I tell you, I want to see between 14 to 16, or 14 to 17% FOC. So, like right there, it, it kind of gives me a starting point. Now, 
what I do is once I've found out the arrow that I'm going to shoot, you know, I can start playing with point weight. You, you shoot, plus you set up three arrows, right? And you can shoot the 125 grain, the 150, and the 175 grain for your for your particular setup, right? We can do or that. you can yeah, but we also added like 20 grains. Yes, you're, we did a different thing. We put we put the fact weight on the back of yours because we wanted it to be a very. But I'm just trying to make it. You said to make it simple. I'm trying to make it simple. simple yeah, and I understand. okay. So to play with and the and the other reason why we did that is I'm a. I'm a big fan. Let me explain this to everybody out there. This is what I found. That in the mechanical broadhead world, everything is designed on the 100 grain platform. So the best, not I shouldn't say the best, but most of the 100 grain um, mechanicals were designed on 100 grains, okay? So for me, that means that's the most perfect design because they were built off that platform, were designed and tested off that platform, and then they started adding weight to make it 125 and to make it 150, and then they reduced it to make it 85, whatever. So in the mechanical world, 100 grain broadheads typically are the better heads. So you're better off playing with weight behind it than messing with different heads, right? Yeah, instead it, of going to 125 grain yeah, or 85 right. grain, you're saying exactly add it add it to the, like I did, I added weight to the front and put that fax weight in the front and, and, and got my extra 20 grains that I needed to make the FOC, um, you know, 17%. Exactly. So... In the fixed blade world, I found that the 125, for the most part, were stronger. Were not necessarily stronger. They were just, it was just a better flying, better design, like the shape, the size, whatever. And I don't know if it's because they started with the 125 or not, but, you know, fixed blades are usually more in the trad guys, you know, the traditional guys like heavier, bigger broadheads anyway. Um, I don't know. That might just be all speculation, but it's, I found this to be true is that most fixed blades at the 125 grade are the better built broadhead and, and a mechanical, the 100 is the better built. So either way, now we're just talking about point weight up front. So you can, you can achieve this however you want to achieve it, either by using fact weights with this system um, I don't know with, uh, on the other ar arrows uh, if they even have a system that allows you to do that or not. I haven't, I haven't really, uh, other, other than to do some testing, I haven't built um, other broad, broadhead, excuse me, other arrow companies' arrows very much. Um, but I do know that Gold Tip offers this. Um, so you play with the weight, and you play with the weight to see what shoots a better group at 50 yards not at your top not at your 20 but at 50 yards well for me at 50 yards at your middle yardage whatever your middle yardage is of your tape whatever the middle yardage is of your pins for me that's 50 i got 20 30 40 50 60 70 80 so 50 is my middle pin and 
if whatever gave me the tightest groups, that's the point weight that I use. And that's how I end up with my arrow. I mean, of course, you know, there's the veins and all that stuff. And you, you got to know, you got to know what you want. Like I said, the starting point is figuring out what you want your arrow to be able to do to tell you what vein you're going to use. Me, I got a lot of experience and a lot of um, confidence in using the blazer vein because I've used them for 20-something years. And um, I know they perform really, really, really well in the wind, even though they're not a super low profile. I know they're not the quietest. Um, but they sure. they steer they steer broadhead really really well and when I make mistakes in my shooting form you know torque a little bit or whatever it even when it. it corrects it fast enough that it doesn't affect me too badly downrange um, I've noticed when we were doing the testing for me on 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 uh, fletchings. Mm-hmm. Is that most of them all looked like the blazer vein, and they had like very minor uh, differences to it, yeah, and they were, called it a different name, and they were a different company. <laughs> yeah, but th- there was a lot of that. Yes, there is a lot of that, but there there is quite a few that are are very different. Um, and I and I've tested a few since that since we did that test that I I I actually liked. I know Dave um, put me on uh, was Arrow Veins, I think it was. Um, and I played with those and I like them. Um, I don't like the idea, but I didn't like it. I didn't make enough of a difference for me and to erase the 20 years of, of confidence. And it didn't, um, it wasn't significant enough for me to want to strip all dozen of my arrows and reflect them at this point. So, um, but I mean, the, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I know we kind of we kind of jumped around a little bit. It's hard, and it's hard in a podcast to actually go through and show you this. But um, well, at least they can read the article now, and then at least they're not, or whoever has read the article, they could listen to this podcast and see how you're doing it and explain it. Because I was reading it, and I was like, shit. I'm like, John, I think it's a little bit. It's probably easier if you just explained it a little bit better. Yeah, so that people could go through it and now understand kind of how you get to your process and find these these things. Yeah, well, the the the, the main takeaway from what I was trying to get at is that you need to you need to know what you what your expect expectations are out of the arrow. You need to know what when you affect change in an arrow, what it does to the opposite counterpart. You know, the yin and the yang, so to speak. You know, we talk a lot about FOC. FOC, if you got FOC, the more weight you add up front, the weaker the spine becomes. And this is something that I learned uh, when we used your bow during the velocity testing, when we were doing the vein testing, that your bow, because, yes, we matched it. We matched it um, grain-wise to the arrow that you were shooting previously to keep the same feet per second, I noticed, 
and I went back in the data. I don't remember. I thought I don't know if you and I talked about it, but I don't think I I don't think I talked about it with you because I didn't want to add any uh, you know any doubt in your in your brain before your elk hunt last year. But your bow shed velocity faster with that arrow because the FOC was above 17. And 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 the this is the re, this is the I mean I'm not an, I'm not an engineer so the only thing that I can equate it to and the engineers that I spoke to to try to uh, figure this out was if you picture um, okay this is a good analogy I, I talked about this on another podcast um, it, if I have a bowling ball in front of me right and I take a one of those pool noodles and I try to push that bowling ball with the pool noodle pool noodle it's gonna yes I might be able to push it but it's gonna make that arrow or make that noodle flex right it's gonna make it bend yeah and so the faster I try to push it the harder I'm gonna push against that it might bend past a point that is of that it's effective right mm-hmm. now consequently if I put a softball down there and I went and pushed that softball, I would have no problem, wouldn't bend at all, and I could push it as fast as I can run. So what happens is your string is pushing against the back of your arrow, and if it's not spined correctly, and if it's too weak of a spine, and you got too much weight up front, you know, your bowling ball's too big, your ball's too big up front, it's gonna eat up a lot of the string's energy in that flex of the arrow. And yes, you get some of it back when the arrow straightens back out and and goes, right? But you lose quite a bit. Um, so I said this in the article, and, I, and I'll, I'll say it to you, and I'll say it to anybody who's listening, is that with a compound bow, I don't feel like you can go too stiff. I don't think too stiff is even a, a thing. I've I set my son's bow up. He would. Okay, he shoots what, like twelve pounds. He's got three hundred spine arrows. I mean, because I, not because I wanted it that way, but you know, I wasn't trying to build him a crazy arrow, but I did it because I had extra arrows that were too short for me to shoot, so I just cut them down further to him. Right. That's just the ones that you freaking missed and you broke, and that's the ones so, that you cut. Some of them, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Some of them I have are, plenty of those. But I don't see I don't I usually throw those out because I don't want them getting messed up. But I did have one or two that were that were that. So I I, I you know, I fletched them up and I did him I built him six arrows. They're you know, three hundred Pierce Platinums and and that little bow with his little short draw length, whatever it is, he's those things come out of there and they they hit perfectly you know so i he's he's doing good (laughs) yeah he's he's picking it up pretty good i'm pretty proud of him but uh my point is that is entirely too stiff of an arrow for that bow right i think stiffness and you know what and and tim gillingham had said this to me years ago that you i don't think you could go too stiff and i didn't really pay much attention to it because I didn't tinker that much. And for me, it was like, you know, don't, bro- it's not broken. Don't fix it. My, I shot good, 
plenty of animals with what I was shooting, and I just, that's what the bow shop set me up with, and I kept on shooting it, right? But, oh, and I started looking at it and really looking at it, and when I didn't know, like, oh, hey, why didn't this bow shoot, or why didn't that, you know, why, you know, these are the things that I found out. But, and, and spine really matters when you're shooting like a, a trad bow because that arrow has to bend around the riser. You can get inaccuracies if you're too stiff and you can get inaccuracies if, you, if you're too weak. But I think out of a compound bow that's set up and tuned properly, it doesn't make a difference. Like you, I, I would say go air to the side of stiffness if you can, if you get away with the weight. That's why I, and that's why I start with speed, okay? Because speed tells me how how much the arrow is going to weigh, and then once I know how much the arrow is going to weigh, I know right about how much FOC I want before it starts messing with my my spine too much. Fourteen to seventeen percent. I know once if I stay within that prime, sixteen is like like sixteen, sixteen and a half is like spot on for me. Mm-hmm. Um. I th- that's and that's the process really it's really it, it it's if, if it's a formula that and i and i think the foc translates it translates across the board for for draw length the weight is not the speed is not those things you got to figure out for yourself but as a rule of thumb if you're going to use what i'm using to have a balanced, uh, or when I say balanced, I don't mean that it balances on my finger. I'm saying balanced, uh, not too fast, not too slow, not too heavy, not too light, um, not too much FOC, blah, blah, blah. Like if right in the middle, the best of all worlds, if you're following that principle because you need that kind of performance out of the arrow, um, then... You can, I think you can safely use that 10 feet per inch um, scale. Awesome, man. So. Well, hopefully we clarified it for a lot of people. Yeah, I probably just, I just probably confused the shit out of a bunch of people. (laughs) But if you got questions about it, you can hit me up. I'll I'll do my best to explain it to you. Um, You know, and then... I might do another podcast here about the actual arrow build itself and how I build it and what my process is of actually building it. This is just my process to figure out what I want and how what what characteristics I want my arrow to be at, and then I'll actually build it from there. But I got you. So, all right, man. Well, uh, hopefully, I didn't confuse you too much, and you got a little. No, I no, I understand it. I understand it, and. Uh... Listen, have fun in uh, Mexico. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, don't be. Like, <laughs> don't be. I, I mean, I, I, listen. I'm I'm excited to go, but at the same time, it's like there's it's a super busy time of year for me. It's worth work. There's still a pandemic going on. There's a whole new bunch of bullshit we got to deal with. Like, get this. Like, before we come back to the United States within 24 hours. I have to have a COVID test, which is not that big a deal because the, the hotel does it for free. It's right there in the hotel. Don't have to. Do, we just schedule it and go and do it, right? 
So it's not too much off my the shirt off my back, but it pisses me off, and it's really pissing Maria off that all these illegals are coming from <laughs> Mexico to the United States, and they're not getting COVID tested. But yeah, you know, it's like you know you're a citizen and you got to get tested, whatever. So, but I mean, there's there's stuff. It's just, but I'm gonna have fun. You know me. I'll figure it out. I'll uh, I'll maybe get some fishing in or something. Oh yeah, bring. I, I still gotta get sausage from you. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna swing by now and get it before I go to work. All right. Sounds good. I told you later. Well, that's it for this episode. But before I let you go, I have one more thing to ask of you. I want you to take a serious look at your relationship with hunting and the outdoors and what it really means to you. Now I want you to picture if all that goes away. Not a great picture, right? It's important for us hunters to stick together and have one unified voice. We need to stand for each other and not just when it affects us or what we do. Not when it's just convenient but really stand up with each other, lock arms, and anytime someone comes to challenge our heritage, we make one unified voice. We are stronger together. Remember that. I promise you that if you stand up with your fellow hunters, even if it's something you don't do, I know we've, I brought up this in my podcast several times about, you know, deer hunters not caring about lion hunters and not caring about, you know, bear hunters and so on and so forth. It doesn't matter if it's something that you do. If you're not a turkey hunter, you're not a, a bear hunter, you're not a lion hunter, it doesn't matter. You're a hunter, you're a sportsman. You need to stick together. I promise you if you do that, we are strong and our voice is loud and they will not come for what you love. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one.